Live from San Diego, California, we go live to the newsroom with your host for Nick's Nerd. Oh, well, hello. It's me, your host, Nick. It's Nick's Nerd News. It's January 12th. Already, already we're two weeks into 2022. And again, some shit goes down. But, so, of course, last week CES, 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 CES happened. Uh, not a whole lot went on, so we're not really going to talk about anything. Nothing really cool was announced this year. It was weird. Probably because no one can get microprocessors. Um, yeah, weird, right? Uh, but anyway, before we get into the regular show, welcome. Welcome in. You know, if you're new, welcome. If you're old, welcome. If uh, you're neither of those, you're probably... Would you even be listening? I, I'm confused. I'm confusing myself. I don't know. Hey, welcome. What up? It's Nick. I'm your host. Like, share, subscribe. Don't like it. Re- review it. Don't review it. Whatever you want. Whatever you want. I'm doing this for me, and I'm doing it for you to enjoy it. That's 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 what I'm here for. That's what I'm here for. But hey, why don't we get into it, right? Well, let's talk about video games, right? That's what we always do first. One day I'll change it up. I won't. I won't, because I'm a creature of habit. Nobody likes change. Change isn't fun. But, but, let's talk about video games. So one thing did happen at CES, and a lot of companies announced their graphics cards and graphics cards features. Um, the big three, of course. And you're wondering, the big three? I thought it was just AMD and NVIDIA. Well, Intel, of course, last year announced that they would be hopping into the ring. And they have announced their new XE Super Sampling, uh, which is to rival NVIDIA's DLSS, their Super Sampling features, and and AMD, of course. Um, AMD announced two new graphics cards. One was an entry level in their Radeon RX 6500 XT, which will retail for $200. I doubt you'll actually find it for that price. NVIDIA came out guns a-blazing, as usual. Announcing a new RTX 3080 Ti and 3070 Ti for laptops. Uh, Those start at like $1,500. And even a RTX 3080 Ti laptop itself, an NVIDIA branded laptop. Uh, They also announced a new entry level RTX at the 3050, which will retail for less than $300. Again, I doubt you'll be able to actually find it for those prices. And then, of course, the off-rumored RTX 3090 Ti. No official release date, no official price, but it's going to have like 40 teraflops, which is insane. So that that was really the biggest thing to come out of CES. Some cool laptops, some other cool products. Uh, Razer is is releasing a, a haptic feedback chair. Wild stuff, people. Wild stuff. But... Yeah. Um, and speaking of CES, one more thing, really. So Razer last year announced an RGB face mask. Uh, it did finally release. 
Uh, they've also now announced a new Pro version, and the Pro version will have the feature that everyone thought would be on the regular with voice amplification. So there's an option where you can switch on a button that turns on a microphone that blasts your voice out to people so they can hear you through the mask on top of the RGB. But would that actually... Like, I, I want to see... I wish I could see it in person. I just need to see it in person before I really commit to it. A, because it's expensive. And B... I think people would look at you like a fucking moron with it on. As much as I want one, I'm people would judge you so hard for wearing that thing. Like, 100% you would get judged into oblivion. But hey, people would wear it and not care. Get your cyber goth on. I know that's what y'all been trying to do. I know that's what y'all were excited for as soon as this pandemic happened. Don't lie. Don't lie. I know that's what y'all were looking for. No, I don't, I don't know. I just, I think it's a cool mask. Do I really think people are going to wear them out in public? Probably not. We'll see. But I, I, I don't know. It's a it definitely, definitely interesting for sure. Um, anyway, moving forward. How about this, right? We got another new trailer for Horizon Forbidden West, the Horizon Zero Dawn sequel, which comes out literally a week from Tuesday, or a month from Tuesday. But beyond that, we're, we're getting a lot more information as, as the, the days go by. Uh, the newest issue of Game Informer, that's their cover story. And uh, I'm very excited. Remember, I, I've talked a lot about how I bought a PS4 for the first game. I really wanted to have a PS5 for the second game, so I'm, I'm happy I do have one for when it comes out next month. And it looks like it's going to be just an amazing expansion and build upon of the first game. And that's what excites me the most. Because it, it is something that... It, it's just it's different than most other games, just in, in terms of like the world it, it's in and the story it tells and things like that. And... I'm very excited to see where things go. Plus, it has that new elephant machine. So, I'm, I'm, I'm all in for it just right there. And then, of course, don't forget, Pokemon Legends Arceus comes out in two weeks. So, uh, that's also going on for new games-wise, coming out soon. And then after that, I think I'm good for a while. And then I can finally catch up on my backlog, Jesus Christ. Um, so... Interesting enough, uh, E3 2022 has effectively canceled in-person uh, events this upcoming June, which, a little surprised, as, uh, you know, we're still so far out and a lot of things can happen or change um, in the world in the next few months, but they have yet to show say what's going to happen with their digital programming, if it's going to be all online if it's not, if they're just not going to do E3 at all this year, um, a lot of people have been saying E3's been dying for a while, and maybe this will be the final nail in the coffin. Who knows? I'll be surprised, though, if they really don't do a digital event. Um, I'm sure the big three will still hold some version of their normal press conferences, uh, just because 
that's somewhat expected at that time of year. Who knows if it will actually happen, though, is another question entirely. But it's interesting that they've done that. It, it makes me a little... I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, of course, if, um, you know, what's going to happen with uh, Star Wars Celebration in May... Because I do have tickets for that, and I wonder if that's either going to get canceled or pushed back. Um, of course, the convention circuit is is very different uh, lately, these last few years. And we'll see if, if that difference and, and changes continue throughout 2022. Um, and then, I didn't realize this, but I guess a couple years ago, Amazon announced that they were going to be doing a Fallout TV show, of course, based on the Bethesda the Fallout games, and they also announced this week they will begin filming and begin production on the on the show this year. Uh, no other word yet on showrunner or anything like that, but Jonathan Nolan, the brother of Christopher Nolan, will be directing the first episode. It's funny because he's done Westworld, so he's used to post-apocalyptic stories. Um... But yes, the, the Fallout TV show is still a go, and it will be begin production this year from Amazon. Uh, also, it's been now heavily implied by industry insiders that Nintendo is working on Mario Kart 9. It is in active development, and apparently it will have some sort of new twist, whatever that means. I don't know how you can add a twist to... Um, how do you add a twist to Mario Kart? Like, I don't, I don't, what, what, what's the twist? I don't get it. Is, is that a thing? I'm, I'm very confused here. Very confused. But who knows what will, what will happen with that. Anyway, anywho, I'm sure it will sell gangbusters as per usual. Uh, Sega. I guess they recently announced plans to, to have some kind of NFT program. Well, they've announced that they will abandon abandoned, they will abandon any NFT fan plans if the fans agree that it's just a blatant cash grab, which I mean, it's an NFT scam. Of course it's a blatant cash grab. That's all NFTs are. And if you think otherwise, I have a bridge I'd love to sell you. Like, really? All these video game companies need to stop. Because there's massive fan backlash. Massive fan backlash. Also because NFTs are fucking stupid. And then it's also been announced a new... Well, it's not officially announced, but it's based off a job listing. But a new... Um, South Park game is in the works. And it's coming from Question Games. Uh, they've worked on a lot of indies. They have a lot of dev team that were behind Bioshock and other major franchises. So it's it's interesting to see that, that Comedy Central and South Park have left their Ubisoft partnership as they transition over to question games for whatever the next South Park game will be. And I wonder what double entendre will be used for the title. Like the fractured butthole of the last game. But we'll, we'll see if anything gets announced soon or, or anything like that. 
Converse has also announced a new Pokemon collab for the brand's 25th anniversary, which is technically now the 26th, now that we're into 2022. But uh, some new Converse with some Pokemons on it, if you're into that sort of thing. I don't know if... uh, I mean, I, I don't really like Converse. They're some of the most uncomfortable shoes I've ever worn. Um, so I would never get them, but I'm sure there's a lot of people out there willing to get them. They don't even look that cool. Whatever. I don't know, man. And a new game was announced this week, or a new trailer for it was shown off. It's called Showa American Story. It's a new RPG. And it's set in alternate history where Japan took over the U.S. Gives me a lot of Man in the High Castle vibes. I'm totally digging it, but it takes place in like a more modern time. This is a game that I don't think we should sleep on, folks. I think it's something that that's going to be good. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But to me, it looks like it's going to be totally worth it. And I'm very, very on board with whatever happens. It looks really cool to me. I love that alternate kind of history stuff. Um, so I, I can't wait to see what happens with it. But Showa American Story, a new RPG that's coming. Uh, the developers behind Dying Light 2 have announced that it will take 500 plus hours to fully complete the game. It's rare you hear developers say something like that. Like, obviously they want someone to cut, like to play their game, keep playing it, but putting money into it. Not necessarily a campaign that's going to take 500 hours. I commend them on that. It's it's Like I said, it's rare that you hear about... Um, you know, game developers making a game like that. Uh, but I think it's really interesting to see for sure. We'll see what happens though. We'll see how that, uh, how that all plays out, but I think it will be really good. Well, I'm not going to play it, but I know there's people that really like it that know that I think we'll have a lot of fun time, fun times with it. So that's definitely something uh, to keep a, a lookout for. And then in a, I don't know if this is a rumor, but this has to do with a survey that was sent out to people in regards to Elden Ring. Elden Ring, of course, is the new game from From Software. But a classic From Software franchise was hinted at in their survey or their survey results. And it has to do with Armored Core, the old mecha game. And now people are speculating that the next game From Software works on is going to be a new Armored Core. And and now I know From Software nowadays is famous for Dark Souls, Demon Souls, things like that. They actually were the developers behind the original Armored Core games back on the PlayStation and PlayStation 2. Now I would love to see them return to that and to see what kind of shenanigans they can get into on a modern from our a modern uh, uh, armored core game that is something I can get behind I always remember playing the armored core like demos on the old demo discs on PlayStation and stuff and I always had fun with them um, and Duncan Jones who directed the Warcraft movie who also happens to be uh, David Bowie's son has come out and said that he wants to direct a Full Throttle movie. That is one time where I think I think a video game movie would actually translate to screen properly. It's, a, it's an old point-and-click Lucasfilm game. 
And I, just because point and clicks are very simplistic, they have a straightforward story. I, I think if anything, those would work as a standalone film. Uh, before we keep going, though, I do want to talk about the whole thing behind um, Days Gone, that PlayStation exclusive that came out a couple of years ago, and the game director who's 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 less who who's left Bend Studio. Um, and he was on Twisted Metal Directors David Jaffe's live stream and went on and was claiming that Days Gone outsold Ghost of Tsushima but treated like a disappointment by management and he quoted that they sold 8 million copies despite the fact that uh, so 5 million copies were sold trophy data showed 5.8 and 8 million was what his trophy data ended up showing. But it turns out that that might not entirely be accurate. So his entire tirade, I think that's how you say that, uh, his entire tirade against Sony and, and, and all them might be a little confounded. And uh, he also says that when Sean Layden set, left Sony, it pretty much... Um, killed the chances of a, of a sequel as well. And it's interesting that, you know, we almost got a new siphon filter from them as well. Um, because, uh, you know, it's, it's been almost over a decade since that game was around, but the former head of, like I said, the, he was the former head of Ben studio, uh, John Garvin um, and Jeff Ross were on David Jaff's twist uh, stream, but they also struggled to get a Days Gone sequel. And apparently, when Sean Layden left it, it pretty much killed it. Which again goes in hand with his whole whole idea that management thought it was a failure. It's like, no, you're you're trying to make it seem like you did better based off trophy data. Trophy data doesn't necessarily reflect people that actually bought the game. They also talk about how Sony tried to get them to work on other projects, how they pitched ideas at other projects, um, but meanwhile, Bend has kind of turned into rumors of a support studio or other things like that, and it's just uh, not the same as what it used to be. But, interesting for sure. Uh... Of course, I did. The one thing I did talk about last week that was announced during CES was the PSVR 2. Um, so we finally got some more specs on it. And it, it actually stacks up pretty well against some current headsets that are, that are out on the market right now. Um, surprisingly well. So just off the bat, for its pixels, uh, it will be 2000 by 2040 per eye. Uh, the original PSVR was 960 by 1080 per eye. The Oculus Quest 2 is 1832 by 1920 per eye, and the Valve Index is 1600 by 1440 per eye. Obviously, it's a newer piece of technology. Uh, it uses an OLED screen like the original PSVR compared to LCD on the others. Uh, it does do a, up to 120 hertz like the rest. Um, it does have inside-out tracking just like uh, the Oculus Quest 2. Uh, it does not require a PC. It is eye, does have eye tracking compared to the others. Um, 
it does give you a 110 degree field of view. Uh, it does have a headphone jack for audio. It is corded. Obviously, you have to plug it into a PS5. Um, and it will use the Sense controllers from Sony, which I'm guessing are going to be different from the Dual Sense. Um, but those are the stats on the PSVR 2. Uh, still no price, still no idea what it looks like, still no uh, release date. And Steam continues to break its own records yet again. And uh, this time, it had 28 million concurrent users on January 9th. The, the numbers keep going up and up and up. And uh, Steam community recently helped a new record on the service. Like I said, 28 million. Uh, it's a little over that in realistic. But it, it, Steam's just been killing it during COVID. The last peak was, and it seems to happen every January. Um, let me see this. Uh, peaks reached each, so there was one in January 2019, 17.6 million, January 2020, 18.3, January 2021, 25.4, and now in 2022, 28.2. That is wild. And of all months, of all months, obviously people buy a lot of games during Christmas, so that, that makes some sense, but, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty crazy. And before we get to our final story, um, it's been making the rounds that PlayStation has been pulling their PlayStation uh, PS Now gift cards out of stores in both the U.S. and the U.K. Uh, and this is fueling rumors that it will either be a relaunch of PlayStation Now or some kind of Game Pass competitor. Um, no word yet on if, if and when that's actually going to happen, but... It will be interesting to see if they actually come out with something or not. Um, still no word yet. Still no announcement. If they do, I think they're going to either wait for late spring or E3 for them to announce something to compete with Game Pass. And we'll see if it's as robust. Uh, but the final story today is that Take-Two Interactive is purchasing Zynga, yes, Zynga, the mobile game company, for $12.7 billion in what will now become the largest video game acquisition. The This is wild, of all things. The thing that I don't like is Steve Zelnick, Strauss Zelnick, the Take-Two CEO, has hinted at the possibility of, of them bringing their franchises to mobile. I hope they don't bastardize Grand Theft Auto or things like that. Um, the one thing he did name drop, which would I would be very happy about, would be Midnight Club, as long as it's not a mobile game. <laughs> uh, there hasn't been a new Midnight Club in 13 years since, of course, I think it was 2008. I think it was 2008 when Midnight Club Los Angeles came out. Granted, Forza Horizon kind of fills that void nowadays, uh, since Need for Speed isn't the same either. But... Uh, he wants this new acquisition, Zynga, to help bring its biggest franchises to mobile. Um, he did say, quote, Our labels are home to some of the most iconic brands in the world, including Grand Theft Auto, Red Dead Redemption, Midnight Club, NBA 2K, Bioshock, Borderlands, 
Sidmere Civilization, Mafia, and Kerbal Space Program, unquote. Yeah, I know he's just thrown out his biggest franchises, but for him to say Midnight Club like that is very, very, very interesting. Um, especially because it's been so long since the last game in the franchise. But I just hope they don't bastardize things. And they're still going to make a fuck ton of money, but whatever, man. Whatever, man. So dumb. I can't believe that they're purchasing Zynga of all companies. There's actually a Zynga office nearby here. Um, that's it for video games today. I do want to talk about TV a bit. Uh, CBS has announced that uh, they're putting the CW up for sale. Either revenue is starting to dry up as more people switch to streaming, uh, or as more and more DC properties move over to HBO Max. I wonder, so the, the CW is a partnership between CBS and the WB. Uh, remember, it, it was a, when it first started, over a decade now, uh, it was a merger between the WB channel and UPN. And of course, uh, most of its programming has been DC shows. Uh, but CBS, I think they're the majority stakeholder, have announced that they are putting the network up for sale or floating the possibility of a sale, uh, hinting at the future of DC TV might not be on regular cable or traditional cable anymore, traditional landline television, but all on HBO Max. Um, we still don't know, yo, though, if another Flash season will be happening beyond season eight. Uh, we also finally got an announcement for The Boys season three. It will premiere in June with the first few episode, uh, first two episodes and then release on a weekly schedule from there. Uh, Netflix has announced that they are partnering with Brian Lee O'Malley. And if you don't recognize that name, that man is the creator of Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Uh, they are working with him as a co-showrunner on a Scott Pilgrim vs. the World anime. And this has me very excited. Uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is one of my favorite movies. Uh, it's also a very great comic book series. And if you haven't read it or watched the movie, you should, like right now. I'm not kidding. But, yeah, I'm very excited for that. Uh, and then, we lost a great one this weekend. Bob Saget. America's Dad. Between Full House, America's Funniest Home Videos, a great comic, a beloved comic by, by comics, and a lot of people passed away uh, unexpectedly on Sunday. And, uh... It just sucks, man, that uh, we lost another one. I saw something. Someone's like, "How? I don't think American ha America can handle losing both their grandma and their dad in the same month. And uh, that being, you know, of course, Betty White and now Bob Saget. And uh, if you haven't watched the roast of Bob Saget on Comedy Central, I urge you to do so because it's hilarious. And it's a great way to, to remember the great man. Um, uh, the Golden Globes were also this weekend and they were not televised. They were not streamed. Uh, instead we had to essentially, you know, hear about it via Twitter. Very strange indeed. Um, 
But these are the winners. Uh, best picture for drama was The Power of the Dog. Best picture motion picture for musical or comedy was West Side Story. Best drama performance by an actor in a drama was Will Smith and King Richard. Uh, best uh, performance by an actress in a drama was Nicole Kidman in Being the Ricardos. Best performance by an actor in a musical or comedy was Andrew Garfield in Tick, Tick, Boom. Actress in a motion picture, musical, or comedy was Rachel Zegler for West Side Story. Uh, best performance by an actor in a supporting role was Cody Smith-McPhee in The Power of the Dog. Uh, for best actress in a supporting role was Ariana DeBose in West Side Story. Best director was Jane Champ Campion for Power of the Dog. Uh, best screenplay was Kenneth Branagh for Belfast. Um... Animated was Encanto. Foreign Language was Drive My Car. Original Score was Hans Zimmer for Dune. Uh, best Original Song was No Time to Die for James Bond, No Time to Die, so Billie Eilish and her brother. Uh, Succession won Best Drama Series. Best Musical or Comedy went to Hacks. Uh, best Limited Series was The Underground Railroad. Jeremy Strong won for Succession for Best Actor in a Drama. Nice. Uh, he plays Kendall Roy in the show. Uh, actress in a Drama was Michaela J. Rodriguez for Pose. Um, Jason Sudeikis won for Ted Lasso in a musical or comedy. And Gene Smart won for Hacks. No surprise, her show also won. Uh, best Performance by an Actor in a Limited Series or Motion Picture, Michael Keaton for Dope Sick. And Kate Winslet for Mayor of Easttown for actress on that side. And uh, Oh Young Soo won for Best Performance by an Actor in a Supporting Role in Squid Game. And uh, Sarah Snook won for Succession. She plays Siobhan Roy in Succession. So those are the winners of the Golden Globes this year. Again, very strange that they didn't even live stream it. Um... And then, of course, we got our SAG Award nominees announced this week. Uh, those will... I don't know if they're going to air. I don't know how that's going to happen. Uh, this is the 28th Screen Actors Guild Awards. Uh, again, Power of the Dog leading here. Um, best motion... Uh, outstanding performance by a male actor in a leading role. Uh, you have Javier Bardem... For being the Ricardos, Benedict Cumberbatch for the Power of the Dog, Andrew Garfield, Tick Tick Boom, Will Smith, King Richard, Denzel, The Tragedy of Macbeth, outstanding performance by a female actor in a leading role, Jessica Chastain, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, Olivia Coleman, The Lost Daughter, Lady Gaga, House of Gucci, Jennifer Hudson, Respect, Nicole Kidman being the Ricardos, Best Actor in a supporting role, you have Ben Affleck, The Tender Bar, Bradley Cooper, Licorice Pizza. Troy, Coatser, Coda, Jared Leto, House of Gucci, Cody Smith, McPhee, The Power of the Dog. Uh, female actor in a supporting role, you have Kytriona Balfe in Belfast, Kate Blanchett, Nightmare Alley, Ariana DeBose, West Side Story, Kristen Dunst, The Power of the Dog, Ruth Negga in Passing. Outstanding performance by a cast in a motion picture, you have Belfast, Coda, Don't Look Up, House of Gucci, and King Richard. Um, remember, these are all Actors Awards. Uh, they also do television. Uh, outstanding performance by a male actor in a te television movie or limited series. You have Murray Bartlett, The White Lotus. Oscar Isaac, Scenes from a Marriage. Michael Keaton, Dope Sick. Ewan McGregor, Halston. Evan Peters, Mayor of Easttown. 
uh, for a female actor in limited series or movie, television movie, Jennifer Coolidge, The White Lotus, Cynthia Erivo, Genius Aretha, Margaret Qualley for Maid, Gene Smart, and Kate Winslet, both in Mayor of Easttown. Uh, male actor in a drama series, you have Brian Cox, Succession, Billy Crudup, The Morning Show, Kieran Culkin, Succession, Lee Jung-jae, Squid Game, and Jeremy Strong, Succession. Uh, female actor in a drama series, you have Jennifer Aniston, The Morning Show, Jung Ho Yeon, Squid Game, Elizabeth Moss, Handmaiden's Tale, Sarah Snook, Succession, Reese Witherspoon, The Morning Show, um, and, and then it goes on from there. They have they have quite a bit of awards, um, but that you get the gist of it. The SAG Awards are the Screen Actors Guild's awards, so it's it's all for acting. They don't they don't give all the other frivolous things that you would see at other award shows. Um, James Gunn was also speaking recently and the producer of both the Suicide Squad and the upcoming Peacemaker, which, which, uh, drops its first three episodes tomorrow, uh, that there's a possibility that we might get more Suicide Squad spinoff programs and James Gunn is still talking to DC about other TV projects. So do not think that Peacemaker will be the end of the DCEU on television because it looks like it won't be, and that has me very excited. We will, of course, talk about the first three episodes of Peacemaker on next week's show. Uh, and then finally, before we transition over to TV, I do want to talk about the Book of Boba Fett. Episode 2 dropped last week, and it was a doozy. The huts are back, baby. I always love seeing huts on screen. It's It's nice to have... Huts appear in live action again. We have not seen a hut in live action since Return of the Jedi um, in the timeline. And I don't even think there was a hut in Episode 2 or Revenge of the Sith, come to think of it. So we might, and and in all honesty, there hasn't been a hut in live action since The Phantom Menace in 1999. There were no huts in the sequel trilogy. And we didn't see huts in Solo or Rogue One. Wow, that's wild. Of course, they've been in the Clone Wars and things like that, but, but we have not seen them in live action since. Uh, we also got Black Kersantan, who is a Wookiee bounty hunter from the comics. Uh, and if he's around, that means I hope Dr. Aphra might make her way in. She is one of the greatest additions to the new canon. Uh, she was in the Vader comics with Black Kersantan. And with that, I also hope we get the murderous droids uh, whose names I can't think of right now, but they're essentially the exact opposite of C-3PO and R2-D2. Um, and then we also got a very heavy uh, storyline with, with Boba and the Tuscans, and uh, showing off some awesome Tuscan Raider action. Uh, they, they get ambushed by a pike train. Yes, the pikes are back. Um, and Boba leads them on this awesome scene to take the train and show the badassery of Tuscans. And then Boba, of course, gets uh, gets his own gaffy stick. So it's really great. I can't wait to watch this week's to see what happens. Um, the show's got a, an interesting buildup for sure. And we don't have that. I think we're already halfway through the season. Because um, I think it's only six or seven episodes. And uh, it sucks because they're really only half hour long. But I wonder, I wonder what we're building to. I really don't hope it ends with the death of Boba Fett. That... That is something I would not I would not be happy with. I would not be happy with that. But uh, that's it for TV. 
Let's move on here to movies. Uh, Tom Holland, it turns out, pitched a young 007 movie to Sony. And that ended up turning into Uncharted. And first off, I would not want a young James Bond film. Uh, and he, this is an interview he did with Total Film. He said, quote, I had a meeting after or during Spider-Man Far From Home with Sony to pitch this idea of a young Bond film that I'd come up with. It was the origin story of James Bond. It didn't really make sense. It didn't work. It was the dream of a young kid. And I don't think the Bond estate were particularly interested. The idea of a young Bond film sparked this idea in turn that you could do a Nathan Drake story as an origin story rather than as an addition to the games. And that opened a conversation. Unquote. And, uh... Yeah. Interesting. Of all of all ways. Uh, they put out a new, like, trailer or featurette or whatever you want to call it of showing, like, the whole plane scene in the movie. I don't, I don't know, man. It... it I'm, st- I'm gonna watch it next month, I think. I, I don't know. I still don't know how I feel about it. I, I still, I just, I don't know about Tom Holland as Nathan Drake. That's, that's my, that's my thing. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, uh, another Pixar film is heading to Disney Plus. Turning Red will now skip a theatrical release and head straight to Disney Plus in March. Uh, no word yet, though, on if it will be a, uh, uh, premiere, whatever, like the $30, or if it will just be included with your standard Disney Plus subscription. Um, they haven't said anything about that yet. Uh, Wes Anderson will be directing another Roald Dahl film. Uh, this time he will have Benedict Benedict Cumberbatch at his side. Uh, of course, the last one he did was The Fantastic Mr. Fox starring George Clooney. One of my favorite movies, actually. Granted, I don't think I've ever seen a bad Wes Anderson film. So, there's that. And we now have official confirmation that uh, Ben Affleck will not ever be the Batman again after The Flash. He did confirm that it will be his final appearance as the character. Uh, he did a massive interview with um, with the Herald Sun... And just talked about how the experience he had filming the wedding st- stuff for Justice League was just a, a terrible experience. Um, and how he never wanted to do that again. Um, he said, though, the Flash restored his faith in it. Um, but he just remembered how... Um, I, I don't know. He said... This is what he said. He said, quote, I've never said this. This is hot off the presses. But maybe my favorite scenes in terms of Batman... And the interpretation of Batman that I have done were in the Flash movie. I hope they maintain the integrity of what we did because I thought it was great and really interesting. Different, but not in a way that is incongruent with the character. Um, Unquote. And he said he doesn't know if his favorite scenes will make the movie since it's still in production. Um, He said, quote, Maybe they will decide that it doesn't work, but when I went and did it, it was really fun and really, really satisfying and encouraging, and I thought, wow, I think I finally figured it out, unquote. Um, but again, it, 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 it will be his final appearance. Um, and uh, he also said Matt Damon is the one who helped him quit the role. Uh, he was speaking with Entertainment Weekly this time. Um, but he said that he really... Um, 
he's really happy to go back to normal movies um, with uh, the tender bar with uh, what's that movie he just did with Matt Damon that Ridley Scott did the one with the the knights and stuff but he said he had fun doing that but it was just a very very hard experience doing Justice League under uh, Joss Whedon and uh, yeah and he said it was because of Matt Damon that helped him. Oh, the last duel, that's what it was. And he he, um, he said, quote, I want to do the things that would bring me joy. Then we went and did the last duel, and I had, very, had fun every day on this movie. I wasn't the star. I wasn't likable. I was a villain. I wasn't all the things I thought I was supposed to be when I started out. And yet it was a wonderful experience. And it was all just stuff that came along that I wasn't chasing, unquote. Um... He also said, quote, I just had a really nadir experience around Justice League for a lot of different reasons. Not blaming anybody. There's a lot of things that happen. But what, what, but really what it was is that I wasn't happy. I didn't like being there. I didn't think it was interesting. And then some really shitty things happened. Awful things happened. But then I was like, I'm not going to do that anymore, unquote. Um, he also talked about how he didn't want to direct Batman because he wouldn't be happy. And he wanted someone who loved it to do it. Um, but it, it just, I, I, I appreciate when he says things like that. Cause I get it. I get it. And, and I love, I still love him as Batman. Um, I can't wait to see what he does as the flash or as the flash in the flash, especially with Michael Keaton. And I, I do hope they get to share scenes together. Cause that, that would be really good. Um, but, but we'll see. And, uh, I hope we get a trailer for the flash soon. Um, no Way Home has taken yet another box office weekend. Uh, it is now the sixth highest grossing film in U.S. history with $668 million. It is quickly approaching both Avengers Infinity War and Black Panther, um, who are up there. Uh, and it is the eighth highest grossing film in the world now as well. Um, and it doesn't show any signs of stopping, to be honest. I don't think... Scream is going to knock it off its perch this weekend, um, as much as I am hearing good reviews about it. Um, but uh, the next movie I'm really excited for, I don't think I'm going to watch Scream in theaters, but I do want to go see Jackass 4 in theaters in a couple of weeks. Um, it's also announced that Shazam 2 will have more adult themes, more adult humor, more adult consequences and stakes. Uh, I hope they do that, but in a way that it still works like the first film does. Um, Red Notice, the hit Netflix film that critics hated and fans loved, will be getting two sequels starring uh, the main cast. So The Rock, Ryan Reynolds, and Gal Gadot will all be returning. And then today it was announced that the Batman will be rated PG-13. Now, a lot of people are apparently in shock Um by the way, this is our, our last story today. Uh, but a lot of people think this is, are, are in shock. They, they thought that it might be rated R. I never got the hint that it might be rated R. I mean, I knew is it was looking way more dark and grittier than, than like even the Dark Knight was. But not once did I ever think it was going to be rated R. That, that's, a, that's a stretch, personally. Um, I just think it's funny that people thought it was going to be rated R. But what what are your thoughts? 
you tell me. You know how to find me. Uh, like by going to nixnerdnews.com where you can listen to the show right in your browser. Or you can find links to our Spotify pages, our Google Podcast pages, our Apple Podcast pages, our Amazon Music. Or you can search for us on iHeartRadio. Uh, I have yet to add an iHeartRadio button. Um, I should be doing that soon. Uh, but again, just search for us on iHeartRadio. Uh, also, while you're there, check out our social media tab, which will show our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter feeds. Post a lot of fun memes. Uh, I did post our top tens last week. Um, or just search Nixner News on your preferred social media platform of choice. And uh, with that, I will catch you guys on the flip side. Thanks for listening, and see you next week.